0: Hello everyone, this is Jack with the Book Club from Hell, and before we start this episode, I would like to make a brief announcement. We have chased meaning away. In its place grows the tower, always expanding and leaving blissfully fulfilled employees in its wake. I am a doctor who specialises in souls. A potent advertising slogan leaves ripples in the world of the spirit. Love is remembered. Maybe S was responsible for everything, but who else do I have? Blending Franz Kafka, Mikhail Bulgakov, Jacques Ellul and Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl, Tower is a search for meaning in a world no longer organised for humans. So goes the blurb for my upcoming novel, Tower, to be released in November 2023 and available on my website, www.jackbc.me, that is www.jackbc.me. Thank you.
1: Jack. Levi. The Book Club from
0: Hell. Hello, everyone. This is Jack with The Book Club from Hell, a finance podcast offering concrete advice on the best securities trading strategies guaranteed to make you money, and all from a Maoist perspective. This week's episode is on Christopher Dorner's manifesto. Christopher Dorner was an officer in the Los Angeles Police Department who having been fired from the department in 2008, declared war on it in 2013 and, in the course of this war, killed five people, two officers, two civilians and, cornered by the police, finally himself. The reasons for his dismissal are disputed. Dorner claims that the LAPD fired him after he reported a fellow officer for excessive force. The LAPD claim that Dorner lied about his fellow officer's behaviour. During his killing spree, Dorner posted his manifesto on Facebook, which is what we read for this episode. It includes the expected justifications for his actions, but also includes an extensive list of shoutouts to celebrities, politicians and his friends. It's a strange read. Speaking of shoutouts, I'd like to give a shoutout to the bands The Aftermath and Deviant Process, two bands that Artichoke, from this podcast's Discord server, plays bass in. The Aftermath is highly technical death metal slash grind. It sounds kind of like a bunch of cryptopsy songs being played at the same time at double speed. While Deviant Process is jazzy progressive metal. The links to both bands' band camps will be in the description of this episode. If you like what we're doing with this podcast, we'd love it if you could rate us on your podcast platform of choice, preferably five stars, as well as evangelise for us in real life. Tell your friends, family, partner, boss, probation officer, it doesn't matter so much to us, just so long as people hear our names. So, if you're ready to hear about a mass shooter's shout-outs to Chelsea Clinton and Charlie Sheen, then listen on. Enjoy. This one was kind of depressing.
1: I found this one quite sad. Yeah, the manifestos of mass murderers and serial killers tend to... Get my they, mood down. A little, they tend to make <laughs> not me feel surprisingly. Like shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So within the the pantheon of mass shooters and their manifestos, Dorna is more sympathetic, at least in terms of in terms of how he comes across in his manifesto than, for example, Elliot Roger, who came across as just a, a little weasel.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's definitely not. A complete piece of trash. (laughs) No, he... (laughs) He's a little Weasley, but not... not, Elliot Roger will always be the king of the weasels.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's definitely the reigning champion of... Of the, like, bottom of the barrel of mass shooter manifesto authors. Yeah. Chris Dorner, he... We can go into how he comes across in the manifesto in more detail. After we we contextualize this a bit by saying what he did. It was a, a bold move. What he, what he did. Um, and what the, the manifesto is justifying. But one thing that really comes across in the manifesto and reading a little bit about his life is that he was particularly sensitive to people in positions of authority over him, not believing him when he said that something bad was happening. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, no one likes it, but when I say Chris dorner was particularly sensitive to it, I mean he was declare war on the LAPD and start murdering police officers sensitive.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Which like is an extreme. 99th percentile sensitivity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> beyond 99th <laughs> that percentile. That character trait. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're going to talk about Chris dorner's backstory and a, give a little hint about why we're talking about him today, what he did, and then also use some of the stuff he talks about as a jumping off point to talk about some interesting questions. So not to bury the lead too much. I'm, I'm practising not burying the lead. <laughs> uh, Chris Dorner um, was a, was a, an American police officer in the LAPD, Los Angeles Police Department. And in 2013, Mm. he committed a series of uh, murders, which uh, at the very least was considered a mass murder or killing spree, but some people also consider him a domestic terrorist, which I think is reasonable. Um, He then wrote a... Especially considering what he says in the manifesto, I think he's definitely a terrorist. he's a domestic terrorist. Um, However, not operating with a with anybody else he was a a lone terrorist and he wrote a a quote-unquote manifesto which was actually just a very long Mm, a page long facebook post and uh yeah so where we've read his facebook post and a little bit about his background
0: i'm sure in the intro i'll say what he did because we need to get people interested so it's not really a spoiler to say that Chris Dorner, like his Facebook post, the 11,000, give or take word, manifesto that he posted on Facebook, is him justifying why he started hunting LAPD officers or their children? Because two of the people he killed were, one of them was the daughter of the attorney who represented him when he was, um, after he'd accused a fellow officer of excessive force yeah uh, we'll we'll get into the specifics of that. So that attorney's daughter and her fiance, they, those were two of the people that Donna killed They were
1: the first two people that he killed. So it wasn't just
0: a war declared on LAPD officers but also their families and people related
1: to family members as well. Yeah. The, I think those were the first two people he killed and then he did this yeah, the Facebook first two post people he and killed. then he killed and then he killed like two or three more people and yeah. He killed
0: four in all, yeah. So he killed yeah, two non-police officers and then two LAPD officers and then himself. And then yeah. in the manhunt for them, the LAPD also injured a bunch of people because they kept opening fire on cars which didn't match Dawna's car's description, which yeah. <laughs> in some ways, I'm not going to say it justifies Dawna's actions because it really doesn't, but... Dawna was, in part, at least, saying he was doing this because of the use of excessive force by the LAPD, which they, they then demonstrated that Dawna was completely wrong by, I think, one car, which was being driven by, like, uh, the two women in the car. The car didn't match Dawna's car's description. There was, like, a 74-year-old woman and her 40-something-year-old daughter, and they yeah. shot it 100-and-something yep. times, just to, just to make sure.
1: It's like, yeah, but we, um, um, we don't have any issues here at the LAPD with, with excessive force.
0: <laughs> I think that was proportionate force, just to make sure the two women who didn't look remotely like the African-American suspect. Like a
1: six-foot-four
0: African-American man yeah. <laughs> in a totally different vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, those were, those were exploratory bullets, not killing bullets, so they were making sure that Donna wasn't in the vehicle using the
1: exploratory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. I believe that's anyway, a so- very, um, Common tactic amongst the LAPD: We'll just sh- fire some exploratory rounds tactic. into this civilian car. Yeah. <laughs> they might have accidentally loaded
0: dangerous rounds rather than exploratory rounds into their pistols, and that might have been the
1: problem. That's an easy mistake. So, like exploratory, insofar as they were etched with uh little pictograms of Dora the Explorer. Let's <laughs> 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 shoot at civilians. <laughs> Sorry, I normally struggle with telling jokes when we're talking about mass murderers and serial killers, but I think we're off to a good start <laughs> today. We're off to we're a good start. We'll keep distasteful, distasteful um, jokes. We will
0: <laughs> relay this tragedy sensitively, but with a lighthearted touch that our audiences come to yeah. expect and love. Maybe the occasional foot joke. We need, to, we need to practice um, <laughs> being lighthearted and not too haunted by what we read in preparation for the Columbine stuff because I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll end up reading the Columbine manifesto. This is a less distressing mass shooting, working up to, a, to reading a more distressing mass shooting manifesto. I feel like we started off our mass shooting manifestos badly with Elliot Rodger, or maybe we started off well. Like We went straight into the deep end blooded ourselves with that it's all uphill from Elliot Rogers yeah yeah it's, it's all going to be easier after after doing my twisted world anyway <laughs> Chris Dorner he grew up in Southern California his life until his um war on the LAPD wasn't hugely unusual graduated from Southern Utah University 2001 majored in political science minor in psychology so fairly normal and when he was a teenager, he decided that he wanted to be a police officer. So this wasn't something out of nowhere. He wanted to be a police officer for quite a while. And he, he was a Navy Reserve officer, actually, for a while. And this is important in the manifesto because I'm assuming it was there that he learned how to shoot well. And he brags in the manifesto about yeah. being a really good shot. And part of the, I suppose, PR campaign, hyping up his his mass shooting in the same way that I'm hyping up the book I'm releasing using this podcast. Exactly the same way. Yeah, he was doing his, um, his PR campaign, generating some interest in his mass shooting by, among other things, sending a, a box of <laughs> a parcel to, I think it was Anderson Cooper, CNN. Yeah, it was
1: Anderson Cooper.
0: Yeah. Sent him like uh, a parcel with a DVD talking about why Dawn is doing what he's doing. And a a little medallion with all these bullet holes in it, and a note saying like how far away he shot this medallion from, to demonstrate that he's a really
1: good shot. Anyway, so one one ma one ma one one minute angle something like that. It's like how far away? Yeah, it's it's actually pretty interesting. It's like how far away can you hit like a small target? And if it's like Hmm. one one minute of angle is like 100 metres away and you can hit it within an, like within a square inch. You can hit the target, something like that. Something very impressive that I couldn't do <laughs> to mm. save my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's why you have automatic
1: weapons. With explosive rounds. With explosive... So you, you just yeah. shoot, shoot in that general direction and something will die.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dorna was... He was in the Navy Reserves for... it, Commissioned in 2002 and he was honourably discharged in... 2013 he was, he was deployed to bahrain for under a year i don't think he saw combat but you know, he he no. was training and he had military training which explains why he i think he killed a bunch of police officers in shootouts so he was he made good on his his threats of being a good shot at you know with with at least two dead bodies of people who were, who were killed in combat, not just like two non-officers sitting in a car, which were his first two victims. Yeah. And actually, this is interesting. In attesting to his honesty somewhat, while he was um, in Oklahoma doing undergraduate pilot training, Donner and a classmate found a bag containing about $8,000. It's um, about $13,000 in 2022 because of inflation. Which mm. Which Levi loves. <laughs> um, it belonged to a nearby church, and they did hand it over to the police. And Dorna said that his mother taught him integrity and honesty, which is why he did do that. So I guess that's that's some evidence in favour of
1: Dorna being honest. It's very narrow, a very narrow idea of what it means to have integrity. I guess. I guess, like technically, yeah, I yeah. can see what he's talking about, but. And the reason why I bring up
0: honesty is because Dorner went on his shooting spree in large part because he felt like his his reputation for honesty had been besmirched by the LAPD. We'll go we'll go into that in more detail when we talk about his manifesto, because that seems to be the main thing that really set him off. There are other things in association with that, like he said that the LAPD is very, very racist. And he also dislikes uses it for excessive that force. And uses excessive force. But the main thing that he he focuses Man, on exactly. is the fact that they he says that they accused him of lying.
1: And that's the yeah. that's the thing that really, really upset him. He's like, I'm a murderer. I might be a murderer, but at least I'm an, I'm an honest honest murderer. murderer. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think you need to maybe like reconsider your values there for a second, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe swap those around. Maybe you yeah, could be what? a liar, but you're not a murderer. But not murder
0: people, yeah.
1: I would yeah.
0: prefer that. Maybe.
1: <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> yeah, no. Would you rather be friends with a liar or a civilian murderer? <laughs> and, and domestic terrorists.
0: <laughs> hmm. I think it's- particularly the domestic terrorism stuff, because, I mean, we can go over the definition of once, once listeners have a better idea of what he did when we when we're properly talking about his manifesto, we can bring up whether he was a terrorist or not. But I think he really was. <laughs> like, quite yeah. cleanly fits within the the, the 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 category of terrorist. Anyway, he joined
1: the yeah. LAPD while just, he was a sorry. My only manifest. thing with oh yeah 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 my my I guess uh, well. Hmm, should I say this comment for now? Uh, I just, when it comes to people who, may well like, act, but I guess, like, yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> when, when, in his case, like, he he's clearly, one, mentally ill. Like, he must have been isolated for a number of years by sounds of it. Socially isolated and stuff, like, fairly mentally ill. And he didn't, like, I guess, yeah. No, I think, like, hmm. no, he was a terrorist. I just, yeah, I guess, yeah, because it, it was... Uh, uh, he says specifically in in his notes that like he's trying to terrorize people, like the yeah. LAPD.
0: He was well, basically yeah. he he released a list of forty police officers and was like, said, "I will kill these people unless and the LAPD does what I want." <laughs> like just terror tactics. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. you're yeah, using yeah. the threat of violence to make an organization do what you want. Yeah, yeah. What set this episode off is that Donner was paired with a fellow trainee, Teresa Evans, to complete probationary training. And according to Evans, Dorna on their first day of probationary training said that he was going to sue the LAPD because of how the department had responded to his complaints that he'd made against fellow classmates, that this was on the first day that they'd been together. Which does say to me that, again, it's, we just don't know enough about, about the situation to really say one way or the other. Part of that that report could be Evans protecting herself, given that she was the one that Dorna filed the complaint against, claiming that she yes, handcuffed a suspect that's an who had schizophrenia and severe dementia and kicked him in the face and the chest. So she could be saying that to make Dorna look like someone who just throws around false allegations, um, all yeah. the time. Or it could be that he he was. Responding to a police department that, from very very early on, he saw was corrupt and and had a culture of protecting those who employed excessive force. Hmm. It's it's hard to say. The fact that Dorna did go out and start shooting people does <laughs> doesn't speak well in his favour. But ultimately, we don't we can't really know enough about this to
1: decisively say. This is one of you know. those situations where not many people look particularly good <laughs> you know like mm, no <laughs> not a, many people everybody come away from this looking very good like the, the lapd, LAPD looks look like very shit good.
0: chris dorner is a a mass murdering domestic terrorist no one looks
1: very good yeah the only people who get out of this situation not looking so good are the jack and innocent Levi. victims <laughs> jack and Levi. <laughs> uh, like there yeah. were two innocent vi- like i uh, uh, well, I, I I suppose no, there were four innocent victims because the two police officers that he murdered I don't even think were involved with his case. So even if you wanted to like extend the olive branch as far as you could to Christopher Dorner and say like which I'm not I don't really feel like doing, but like I will try to. <laughs> he he killed four people, two of whom were civilians and were not at all associated. They were just just the daughter and yeah. daughter and son in law of just sitting in their somebody car. who was involved. And he murdered them in cold blood and they had nothing to do with it. And also just the whole idea that the sins of the father shall be rent upon the the son or like <clears throat> the son will sh- carry the burden of the sins of the father is just a completely abhorrent moral position to take. And so like the idea that, oh yeah, I was, you know, trespassed upon by this person and so I'm going to kill his daughter. Well, that's, you know... Yeah, i very
0: limited <laughs> sympathy
1: for that course of action. <laughs> very yeah. limited sympathy. Like, if he had constrained his murders to just the police, then it would be slightly... You could think, like, well, I suppose he's declaring war on an institution, and even if mm. the police officers that he killed were not the police officers were involved, but because he's declaring war on an institution maybe you could like extend a little bit more of an olive branch there. But if you really just wanted to say like, okay, is he just constraining his actions just to the people involved? Even then I still thought, you know, he's taking the law into his own hands. Like,
0: yeah, I'm still pretty (laughs) unsympathetic, but the fact, I'm trying to be as sympathetic uh, as
1: possible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying my hardest here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What is part of book club from hell where we do try to take these things seriously, but I, I'm not all that sympathetic with Christopher Donner. Like, I feel bad for the guy because in in this manifesto, he comes across particularly in the latter half as he just just very human. Is it? Yeah, yeah, and that that really was really sad. Yeah, really sad. Anyway, so Teresa Evans, his fellow trainee, on July twenty eighth. 2007, Dawner and Evidence responded to a call from the Doubletree Hotel in San Pedro regarding a disturbance being caused by Christopher Getler, who was a man with schizophrenia and really severe dementia. And dawner so what happened was, Evans, I think police officers have to do um, like evaluations on their fellow officers. And Evans had submitted an evaluation of Dorna saying that he needed to improve his performance. And the day after she submitted that, Dorna submitted a complaint saying that she had handcuffed Gettler when they were responding to this disturbance, the Doubletree Hotel, and then when he was handcuffed on the ground, kicked him twice in the chest and once in the face. And as with so many things in this story, how do you interpret that information? was did she actually assault an unarmed handcuffed suspect, and Dorna had kept his mouth shut, and then her her saying that he needed to improve his performance was what pushed him over the edge to report it did Did she actually not kick him and he he made a false report against her as retaliation for her not evaluating him well? We can't, it's really hard to know. Because also the LAPD investigation of the case, and they didn't, they investigated Dorna's complaint. Um, and during the course of this investigation, it lasted seven months, Evans was on desk duty. And this is interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. She wasn't allowed to earn money outside of her LAPD job. Not really sure why that was part of her
1: probation. Presumably, you're allowed to earn money outside. It. Like, you're allowed to, I guess. I thought that was really fucking weird do some freelancing police work on the side or security work, maybe. That's sort of, that's
0: just an incidental detail. That's just something that struck me as as very odd. But not even security work, just like earn money in in some other way. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so this this investigation eventually found that she hadn't assaulted the suspect in the way that Dorna claimed. And the evidence for it was Mm, really, mm. really... Inconclusive, in part because a lot of it relied on witness testimony from Gettler, who, as I said earlier, has severe dementia.
1: And so And changed his recount of the event at least. Yeah, he kept changing it.
0: And again, he has he had dementia.
1: He has dementia and schizophrenia, right? Yeah. So so
0: in in the course of the investigation, I think some employees of the hotel said that they didn't see. Evans kick Gettler. Gettler himself, at some stages, I think he he was treated for facial injuries on the the day that he was arrested, but he didn't mention anything about being assaulted by a police officer. His son testified in the course of the investigation that Gettler said that a female police officer had kicked him, but then Gettler later said that it didn't happen. Oh, was it his dad? Okay, his dad. Yeah, his dad, yeah. Um, and then later in court, Gettler gave testimony, but it was said that the testimony was incoherent because, again, yeah. this guy had schizophrenia dementia. and dementia. Yeah. So, anyway, so the investigation concluded that Evans hadn't kicked Gettler and that Dorner had lied in his report. And eventually, Dorner was fired by the LAPD in 2008 for making false statements in his report and his testimony against Evans. He appealed this. The judge that he appealed to upheld the LAPD's decision. And it's interesting. So that was in 2008, and it was in 2013 that Dorner went on his killing spree. And I'm not actually sure what he was doing between getting fired by the LAPD and then declaring
1: war on them. He kind of alludes to that in the manifesto. Mm. Kind of, it seems as though he was probably unemployed.
0: Yeah, he wasn't able to. He doesn't say openly, but another job. We're it was like what you lines. were saying earlier, how you you were speculating that he was isolated and lonely, which certainly could be the case. And that oftentimes with mass shooters, that's that's the, the thing that sets him off, or that that's a very very common background to their actions, that they're isolated and lonely. But I'm not actually sure whether that was the case with Dorner.
1: Yeah, so it was five years. So that happened in 2008. So it was roughly... And then he committed the, the killings in 2013, right? So it was five years. Yeah. Including the trial yep. period. Yep. For him to start skewing over,
0: over what had happened. Yeah.
1: So the spree itself... So basically, he yeah. he killed. So there was, uh, as Jack said earlier, there was the uh, his attorney, his his representing attorney um, in the case. Uh, what was his name? I can't. I'll see if I can find his name really quick. Um, so he felt as though, sorry, Dorna felt as though his representing attorney not only didn't do his job properly, but actually actively I suppose spoiled or acted acted was against there to protect the LAPD. Yeah, yeah. And so essentially it was accusing him of corruption. Um and mm-hmm. the first two people he he that Donna killed uh were Khan sorry, Khan, that's that's his attorney's name, Q U. A-N, I I think Khan is how you yeah. probably pronounce yeah. it. Um, so he killed but Khan's... Donna da- went and shot this guy's daughter, daughter and, and fiance. her fiance in their car. Um, yeah, and and he he notified media, including Anderson Cooper, and he published his Facebook post. Yeah.
0: How about we go through it in terms of the what he did on like day by day because.
1: It was on. Yeah, I suppose so it, did, it was pretty it started, all kind of clustered pretty close together. So that's oh, very much because it was on. It yeah, was
0: it's, February first. Yeah. Anderson Cooper at CNN received this parcel from Dawna, and in this parcel was a DVD um, where Dorner put forward his case against the LAPD. It also had a um, a coin, a challenge coin from the LAPD with a bunch of bullet holes in it with one MOA written on a note with it saying that the coin was shot at 100 yards at a grouping of one inch, which I mean, if you take it seriously that he didn't just like shoot it from a meter away, then uh, that's
1: accurate. I don't shoot yeah, enough that would to. make him like a... Really I think know. that's very impressive. I think that's like a very, as far yeah. as I can understand, like that's very high degree of proficiency with a rifle
0: Mm. Mm. and then it was on february 3 that he went and killed um monica khan so khan's daughter and her fiance keith lawrence and they were shot dead went in lawrence's parked car outside their apartment complex and then it was on the 4th of february that Dorna posted his manifesto that we read for this episode on his facebook page so he'd been He'd been prepping the, the media trying to hype up his, his spate of murders by letting Anderson Cooper know what he was going to do. He went and killed people. Then he released the day following shooting those two people his Facebook manifesto. And basically when this happened, the LAPD re- re- really responded. So they, he'd published a list of 40 officers that he said he was going to kill. So those officers all got protection. The LAPD asked the media not to name them. And as far as I understand, the media did that. So they, they didn't release the names of the officers yep. who were threatened. And then thousands and thousands of officers started taking part in a manhunt across California, Nevada, and Mexico. And so, so they were coordinating with the Mexican police as well. And also there were officers patrolling the, the highways across Southern California. In the course of this, I think it was on the 7th of February, we'll, we'll get to it, they did shoot a bunch of civilians in cars that did not match the description of Dawna's vehicle.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, so then there were uh, another, another two police officers killed. Um, yeah, yeah. On the f- 7th, on the 7th of February.
0: Yeah, the 7th. So he saw two officers um, and Dorna opened fire on these officers and one of them had, I think, a bullet grazed his head, but he survived. So those officers were okay. And then Dorna drove away. Then in Riverside, two more officers, about 20 minutes after Dorna had shot at two other officers, they were ambushed while they were in their patrol vehicle at a, at a red traffic light one of the officers died and the other one had to get surgery went to hospital but did survive dorna then tried to steal a boat in san diego and told the boat's captain that he was going to go take the boat to mexico but this this mustn't have been successful for whatever reason dorna dorna didn't ex- escape to mexico then someone else found the burning remains after that of dorna's vehicle a 2005 Rose Nissan colour. Titan. Yeah, dark grey. And from, from there, um, officers spread out. So it was around mm. Bear, Big Bear Lake. So officers started, they locked down that area and started searching. This was on February 7. On February 7 as well, so there were two incidents where police officers opened fire on vehicles with people who were not Chris Dorner inside them. Which it was like we were saying earlier, how there are a lot of people and institutions who come out of this looking really bad. And the LAPD, given that in part it was accused by Dorna of of fostering a culture within which excessive force was not seen as a big problem, and they protected officers who who did that. Opening fire on two vehicles full of civilians is not it's never a good look. It's particularly bad when you're pursuing someone who's claiming that he's killing police officers in part because of their culture of excessive force.
1: And then when you open fire on people who just don't match the description at all, <laughs> it's not like, at all. Oh, so- well it was, it was a Nissan, it was a great Nissan Titan and it had like uh, mm-hmm. a large African American man in it. And a, b- a so black guy driving a, a, a black, a black, no, it was like some other totally different vehicle, two little white ladies in it. And, <laughs> This is like yeah, so. One why, of, did one you, of them? why did you? Why did you open fire on this vehicle? <laughs> why? <laughs> what, what were you fucking
0: thinking? <laughs> yeah. So in, in one case, there was a light blue Toyota Tacoma. Um, its two occupants were two Hispanic women. One one was seventy one, sorry, and and a one white. was forty seven. Not a
1: little white ladies.
0: And so the apparently. Apparently you get a mistake. So the, yeah. the, two, the two women say that they were given no warning, that the police just opened fire for, um, from behind the car. Could you
1: fucking imagine that? You're just sitting in your car and just oh, cops start just firing you. 102 bullets were found, in, were found to have, have
0: explored the vehicle. So what, what without they warning, thinking? they shot the vehicle 102 times from behind to make sure it was Chris Dorner in the car, which did not match the description of Chris Dorner's car, completely ridiculous.
1: I'm, I, I'm glad to say, 20, at the very least, like those, after they, um, those women got some reparations from this in, incident. You know, like I think yeah, they They, did, they got right, a few million dollars.
0: Uh, yeah. That's yeah, it. So the, the two women right. survived. They, they should have been given ten to get get shot, more. though. I mean. It's pretty hard not to get shot when someone fucking shoots your vehicle 102 times.
1: They should I think, I don't know, whatever, they, whatever money they fucking got, they should have gotten more. I don't give a shit. Like, that's completely ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah. Like, anyway, uh, so 20,
0: 20 minutes after this light blue car was aerated 102 times by the LAPD. <laughs> aerated.
1: Explored um, thoroughly. <laughs> Just to make sure there yeah, wasn't so a six-foot was- black man inside. <laughs> Of this car that doesn't match the description. Yeah. So,
0: twenty twenty minutes after that. So, bearing in mind that Dawna was driving a grey, um, what was it? A Nissan something? Titan. So, Titan? yeah, a Nissan Titan. So, this time, a white man was driving a um a black Honda Ridgeline. The police claimed that it matched the description of Dawna's vehicle. This time, instead of shooting it from behind. They just slammed into the truck in their car. And then after, cra- after like T-boning this car, they opened fire on it. This dude was going surfing. He didn't get hit, which is impressive. They mustn't have shot it enough times. And so, yeah, it's just not a good look when you start attacking vehicles which don't match a description of the vehicle that you're meant to attack driven by people who do not match the description of the man that you're trying to apprehend. Uh, it- anyway, so, yeah, these... So, okay, the two women who got shot, their car shot 102 times, got 4.2 million, 4. million in a settlement, and um, the white guy who got his car rammed and then got shot at got 1.8 million. So that was all on February 7th. February 7th was a very busy day for the LAPD. They were making sure right. that those sorry. people weren't Eric Dorner. Uh, no, Chris Dorner, sorry,
1: not Eric. So, so to Chris be, Dorner. to be just to, to give as much leeway as I possibly can to the LAPD, both Honda Ridgelines and Toyota Tacomas are utility vehicles, like the Nissan Titan. They're all utes. So mm-hmm. it's not like it was a sedan yep. or a hatchback and then like, Uh, a year or something it wasn't completely you know at least they were the same class of vehicle so i suppose uh an officer i don't know just very um hyped up on wanting to find a mass murderer um i suppose Mm. like just being really generous like okay fine he you know in the heat of the moment they mistook the make of a utility vehicle
0: mistook a blue vehicle for for a gray vehicle
1: or a gray vehicle yeah, I guess I'll be generous again. Like I suppose, like depending on the 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 gray and the the, the blue, like maybe you could the mistake. Black, okay, black and gray, maybe,
0: and if it had tinted windows, so you couldn't see that it was a white guy. Maybe <laughs> that's that's more understandable. I like there's some blues that are kind of grayish. Like the two his, two Hispanic women driving a blue vehicle. <laughs> Getting shot without warning 102 times from behind. Like if
1: it was a fluorescent <laughs> blue, but maybe it's, a, maybe it's kind of gray blue, you know, like kind of gun <laughs> And maybe the officer was colorblind. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing my best here. <laughs> <laughs> Extenuating circumstances. Anyway, so okay. that was all February. So that brings 7. us up to February 8th, 9th.
0: Yeah, so February 8th, they were still looking for him. February 9th, CNN. So, CNN said that the LAPD was reopening its investigation into Dorner, So, in, into his dismissal, and this was basically the LAPD trying to give Dorna what he wanted, or at least saying that they were giving him what he wanted, so that he would stop murdering. I mean, I was going to say police officers, but by this point, he had killed as many civilians as he had killed police officers. So, just to stop killing people yeah they also on the the following day on the 10th offered a million dollar reward for information leading to dawna's capture yeah it was on the 12th when they finally caught up with dawna so they'd heard that he was um he was in the san bernardino mountains near big bear lake where they'd found his burned vehicle and he was in a mountain cabin the officers found it And so Dorna opened fire from the cabin when officers approached. So they fired tear gas into the cabin, and he wouldn't come out. So then they fired, they're called pyrotechnic tear gas canisters. I don't actually know what those are. But anyway, they fired those into the cabin, which was wooden, and it set fire to the cabin. This does seem to be something that American law enforcement does quite regularly where they fire they fire burning things into flammable buildings and then accidentally set fire to the buildings and kill the people
1: inside it's like whoops (laughs) whoops didn't didn't (laughs) think accidentally doing this didn't think that throwing something on fire into a wood cabin would set the wood cabin on fire (laughs) Hmm. it's like waco it was oh whoops but to be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. on Like there's, it's not conclusive. Like I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it on purpose. I mean, at least <laughs> yeah. in this case, so Waco is very different.
0: But in the case of Dorner, he was like, they were already shooting at him. Like they, they were already trying yeah. to kill him and he was trying to kill them. Like, okay, they, they, they set fire to his cabin and he, so he shot himself or at least they say they heard a gunshot. So he probably killed himself. Yeah, I don't find it that bad. Like, you kill him in one way versus another. They were already trying to kill him, and he was trying to kill them. It's like, okay, so they set his, his cabin on fire.
1: Yeah, it's not, a, not that big a deal. I don't think. I mean, like, he was going to die. The moment that he decided, <laughs> the moment he made up his mind to go about doing what he did, he, he signed his death sentence. Um, it was just a matter of how long. He was well, he gonna,
0: also, in his manifesto, anyway, said that
1: he was fine with dying, he didn't mind. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty pretty common with I, I think you kind of have to make that decision if you're going to become a mass murderer. You have to be like, all right, well, this is me done. <laughs> like hmm. most I, I don't think anybody has gets into that game with the delusion that they're coming out the other end. They're just doing as much damage as they can whilst they're still around. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. like it's not a long destructive strategy, thing to do. It? Yeah.
0: It's a... yeah. yeah. High time preference activity.
1: Extremely high pre- time preference. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's Chris Dorn's story. That's, kind of, that's what he did. But
0: his manifesto does shed light on his motivations, or at least what he publicly wanted to say his motivations were. His manifesto is interesting, and it's a whole lot easier to read than My Twisted World. One because it's a lot shorter, and two because it, there's less. Okay, there, there's there's quite a bit of. It's quite self indulgent. It's it, a lot of self pity. It's it's very self pitying, but it's not as bad as Elliot Roger.
1: No, and he's not as dislikable. No, he's, yeah, he's not. It's a different flavor of. I still. Can't say that I'm terribly sympathetic to Chris Dorner, but kind of, I I do feel bad for him. I I mean, like his chosen path of action was pretty bad. Um, definitely, mm-hmm. probably the worst, <laughs> probably the worst <laughs> path, of, path of action he could have taken. Not a good solution, no. Um, but I, I came, I think the so we'll get to it. But the last yeah, the last third or something, the last couple of pages just kind of really humanized him, and I, I just. On some level, I did feel kind of, I felt, so, at least I'd say, I felt sorry for the person who ended up deciding to take that course of action. But then once he decided to
0: yeah, take that course yeah.
1: of action, you think, okay, well, I can't really feel sorry for you at that point.
0: It's particularly when he started giving shout-outs to his friends that I thought, oh, this is a this is a human being.
1: Yeah. So I would say it's largely broken up into like, at a high level, like two parts is like basically him explaining why he did what he did and why he's doing what he's doing, like the background and his perspective, and a bit about like his upbringing. And then there's the mm-hmm. latter part where he just gives shout outs to his friends and President Obama, <laughs> which is really weird.
0: It was just like mainlining America when it's just shout outs and pop culture references.
1: Yeah, yeah, this, that is just the most American yeah. <laughs> thing ever. Just like give pop culture <laughs> shout outs to like TV, to like, and not not even like worthwhile people to shout out. Like, um, it was that? Uh, but it was it was <laughs> like some some t- reality TV show people and like Michelle Obama, <laughs> you know, Chris uh, yeah. Christie, Hillary Clinton. Anyway,
0: we, we get to that bit when we get to it. Start with, how about I, I read it? Did he shout out Charlie Sheen? I think he shouted out Charlie Sheen. Oh, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. How much he loves Charlie <laughs> like, Sheen. Two and a half minutes. <laughs> I think with this, for people who are tossing up whether to read this or not, reading the second half is worthwhile because that's just the most bizarre bit of a guy in a manifesto describing why he's going to start hunting LAPD officers giving Charlie Sheen shout-outs and things like that. That's the, the most surreal part. Yeah. But how about I, I read a quote from the beginning, which really sums up his motivations. It's from right at the start. I know most of you, you who personally know me are in disbelief to hear from media reports that I am suspected of committing such horrendous murders and have taken drastic and shocking actions in the last couple of days. You are saying to yourself that this is completely out of character of the man you knew knew, who always wore a smile wherever he was seen. I know I will be vilified by the LAPD and the media. Unfortunately, this is a necessary evil that I do not enjoy, but must partake and complete for the substantial change to occur within the LAPD and reclaim my name. The department has not changed since the rampant and Rodney King days. It has gotten worse. This basically sums up His motivations. So, a subordinate reason for his shootings are the is is the culture of racism within the LAPD. But it seems to me that more important to Dorna is the fact that the LAPD has besmirched Dorna's name. He spends a lot of time talking about how important reputation is, how important one's name is, and the fact that the LAPD, by saying that he lied in the report about Evans assaulting a suspect the damage to his name that that entailed and the fact that he was fired justifies what he's doing. That's how he says, I don't enjoy it, but I have to do this to clear my name. Also strange how in this one paragraph, he says that he needs to complete these actions to clear his name. But at the same time, he's aware that the LAPD and the media will claim that he's a bad person for these actions. Those two things to me don't seem to go together. I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't be, carrying out a mass shooting spree to clear your name while also acknowledging that the media and the LAPD will say that you're bad for carrying out these actions, which apparently will clear your name.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't
0: come to mass shooters for coherent thought, but that it's, it's, (laughs) those are only a few sentences apart. Like that's
1: particularly bad. Yeah, whenever I'm thinking, like, how can I improve my thinking today? I need some, like, really, like, high-powered mental models, like, just go and read another Mass (laughs) mass Shooter Manifesto. Yeah, (laughs) no, you're not going to find um, coherent, clear thinking in a Mass Shooter's Manifesto. Oh, mate, Mm -hmm. actually, you know what? If we do end up reading a Mass Shooter's Manifesto that is clear thinking and... Well thought out and coherent. That would actually be scarier. <laughs> well, that would be,
0: that'd that'd be so He creepy. wasn't a mass shooter. The Unabomber's manifesto is like diet a lol, but it's not. It's not complete nonsense. I still yeah. think it's fundamentally flawed, but it it's not complete garbage. So that that was disturbing. In that, I do think he got some things right in that. However, making the leap from. From viewing technology as an inhuman force that is, is taking over the world, independent of human needs, and I will mail people
1: bombs, is a that that's more difficult. Always a bit of a jump. Yeah, See, there's always going to be there's always going to be a jump. I guess from like whatever your philosophical, ideological, ethical <laughs> um, point of view is to like therefore. I need to go and kill a strangers. bunch of people a bunch of people yeah, I don't know yeah. and who aren't involved with this at all and oftentimes are just like completely innocent and like yeah, not involved is uh I've I'm not convinced yet from all <laughs> all, this, all the manifestos that, been, that there's ever really a sensible way to make that jump anyways with regards to Dorna, it never occurred to him that maybe in terms of like quote unquote clearing your name that perhaps being mislabeled like a a liar in a amongst a, a culture and an institution that apparently you don't respect anyways is a lot less a lot less evil than being known amongst hundreds of millions of people as a mass murderer Mm, he, mm. he didn't, like, perform yeah. that calculus. It was like, well, maybe that is the case, but that's a lot less bad than being seen as a...
0: But not merely being who, identified as a mass shooter, but by, by being
1: incontrovertibly a mass shooter. And then claiming it. Yeah, so, but again, you don't go to these sorts of texts for coherent thought. It's just like, that's why I think, like, you can't... How do I put it? I almost view these things as like psychological rather than even even with yeah, Ted Kaczynski, like, definitely. there's definitely a component of a strong ideological component to Kaczynski's work. Mm-hmm. And even like to Elliot Rogers' manifesto. But really they're intensely psychological. They're like the the crux of like the person's psychological what would you say? Breakdown. Well I that's suppose. why they're interesting, because it's of course, it's not a perfect
0: explanation because there'll be, there's always a large degree of self-justification in these manifestos. That's it's yeah, sure. almost the point of them. But even in that self-justification, it's psychologically interesting in that, how does this person try to yeah. justify their actions?
1: I once heard a, I don't know who said this, but I have in my head this soundbite that goes something like, nobody wants to think of themselves as the bad guy. Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. just very seldom the case that somebody knows they're the bad guy and wants to be the bad guy. That does happen occasionally. In fact, there's actually a particular manifesto that I want to read with, for this show. Uh, I've got to track it down, but occasionally there are people who are just bad dudes. Um, He was a British mass murderer who wrote uh, an autobiography before his, (laughs) um, and he was a bad guy and he knew he was a bad guy. And, He was intentionally out to be a bad guy. But with those sorts of few exceptions, most of the time when you read the riot and the thoughts of somebody who's done some crazy stuff, whether it's somebody like Osama bin Laden or Elliot Rodgers, they have some sort of worldview or justification that explains why... In fact, they are not the bad guy, but it's in fact these other people that are the bad guys and mm-hmm. they are justified mm-hmm. in their actions. And actually, they're the good guys, and maybe even they're the victims. <laughs> and they're acting out of self-defense yeah. against like some oppressive force that always happens to take the form of innocent bystanders that they need to kill.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, mm. like, it's completely ridiculous. And that's
0: that's very much the case with Dornas' Manifesto. Yeah. How he's acting in self-defense. Against, against the LAPD for primarily bespurnching his name and claiming that he lied yeah. about the, his fellow officer Evans using excessive force. Interestingly too, her use of excessive force and the fact that the, he, his claim, he claims that the LAPD tolerates excessive force is far subordinate in terms of his motivations for going out and shooting a bunch of people to the fact that they, they lied about him and damaged his reputation.
1: Yeah, it's almost as if it's it's more like the people who write these manifestos, like uh Dorna or Roger, they they have their idiosyncratic experience where they feel victimized. Mm. But then they have to lodge it in some explanation of the way the world works or the way that like some larger institution works. And so it's more like their, their, their particular experience is an instance of like this, this, this larger evil that they're acting against. Mm-hmm. And I don't know yep. if that's just like a convenient way for them to justify it or if it's – I think that I'd take them for their word that that's actually what they think mm-hmm. um, yeah. rather than just being like because a it's- concocted excuse.
0: It's also Dawn, another thing that Donna said motivated declaring war on the LAPD was the fact that racism was very much tolerated within the LAPD. So there's one point where he talks about an example of or a, a time when he was in, I think, some in a group of police officers and one of them kept using the N-word and he told that, that officer to stop and they basically said to him, I'll say it whenever I want, you can't stop me. And Dorna said he went over and started, like, strangling that officer and had to be pulled off him. Yeah. Um, and, like, like, with that as well, I, I'll take Dorna at his word. I'm sure there is a bunch of racism within the LAPD. Sure. It's just also, it's, it's within, he was saying this to be, to expiate himself or to, to say, okay, yeah. look, this is why I'm acting in self-defense. He did also start, like, strangling an officer. I'm not yeah. saying that the officer's behavior is excused, but Dorna has, I think, even in in trying to justify his actions, he's shown himself to be a very reactive person. Like he reacts with violence when he when something really, really gets to him.
1: Yeah, and so this is actually a recurring pattern in his life, according to his own recount of his life. There's the instance that Jack just spoke about. Yeah, but then he actually talks about. Earlier in his life, when he also confronted racism in high school, I think. And in response to that oh, racism, he, at yeah. he punched that person in the face. And yeah. his principal, like, reprimanded both of them. He reprimanded the person who was racist, mm-hmm. and he rep- reprimanded Dorna. And Dorner felt that was like an early occurrence of Dorna, like, being, in his perspective, betrayed by an authority figure because he doesn't think he should have been punished for acting out in violence mm-hmm. against the person who is racist to him. So in Dorner's, I suppose, ethical system, there are words, <laughs> um, I suppose, that justify a violent reaction and that violence is no certainly no worse or potentially even... Morally acceptable <laughs> to mm. to to him in response to racism, um, in particular it seems, um, and so it's it's like this this his final act of re- reactionary violence to the LAPD is really like the zenith of. What seems to be a pattern in this guy's life, and those are Mm. only the two two instances of this behavior where he self reports in the manifesto. Like there might have been that he self reports in his own defense. Yeah, so there might have been plenty of other instances where this sort of stuff happened in his life that he's not self reporting on, Um, and I like we don't know obviously, but according to his own manifesto, he thinks it's fine to respond to. Racism, or being being trespassed upon in a non-violent way by somebody, mm. um, with he he thinks it's okay to respond to those situations with violence himself.
0: Yeah, but as I keep saying, all of those things seem to be secondary to his main concern, which is the fact that authority figures are not are not believing him or are, are saying that. Yeah he's disreputable because he, he relays also a story from when he was at school about, I think how someone stole something from him and the vice principal of his school told Dorner that he knew who had stolen something from Dorna, And then when Dorna publicly accused this person of stealing something from him, the vice principal then, then denied knowledge of who had stolen from Dorna. So again, it's hard. We, we can't say, what actually happened in this particular event in Dorner's childhood so while he was at school. But it is illustrative that of all of the the different things in his life that he could bring up to justify his actions, it's again something that happened a long time before he went on this shooting spree, wherein a an authority figure didn't, or didn't believe Dorner, basically in some way uh, cast doubt upon Upon Dorna's
1: integrity of character, or something uh, like that. Yeah, upon his integrity.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: yeah I, so and those, I think that's that really telling be-
0: that he just he keeps returning to this theme of authority figures not respecting
1: his integrity in the same way that he thinks it should be respected. And so, another recurring theme across the manifesto of violent people like Dorna is there always seems to be like one or two things that they fixate on and in their communication, they, well, one, they're always rambly, even Dawn is like pretty rambly. Um, but, it's, it's like they're oh, trying to... Even this is extremely, yeah, extremely, extremely rambly. rambly. <laughs> but Levi,
0: the last like, half of this is him giving shout-outs to Charlie Chen and Hillary Clinton.
1: This is so rambling <laughs> And Chris Christie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty rambly. Uh, but th- th- they fixate on, like, a couple of things. Donna fixates on the integrity and honesty thing and, like, the racism. Thing mm, mm. And positions yep. himself as a victim of racism and a victim of authority figures that don't, um, in his view, act appropriately and then compromise yeah. his per- the perception of his integrity and honesty in the eyes of others. And so they obviously, like, if you're fixated on this thing and you think it justifies killing innocent people, then you're going to keep on relaying that to your audience in your mind. And I suppose they Mm. must think that like, Dawn must think that when other people read it, they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. I understand now why you chose to go and kill those two innocent people. (laughs) Like as if them explaining this moral precept and fixating on it and like coming back to it again and again will exonerate them in the eyes of the people reading their manifesto.
0: Yeah, yeah. One thing that also struck me, in this manifesto is that Dorna believes very strongly in the idea of a police force and is also extremely patriotic. Extremely patriotic. Part of the motivation too is that he feels, so he wanted to be a police officer from a fairly young age, from when he was a teenager. The fact that the the current management of the LAPD is mismanaging an institution that he really believes in also seemed to
1: really, really get to him. Yeah. And it was the LAPD in particular. Yeah, the LAPD particularly. Like, there, he talks to other police units, I suppose, or like, yeah, police units, I'll just say. Um, and he says, don't get involved. This is just directed towards the LAPD. Like, I don't care about yeah. these other, other, other units.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's when he's talking about civilians, he says, don't render assistance to downed LAPD officers because they'd never do the same for you. They'd just laugh about your death. And get extra the, overtime the, pay. the suffering that it'll cause your families and then brag about all the money they'll get from overtime. And then share photos. Um, on When it comes to working on your case. On WhatsApp or whatever
1: messaging they use. Yeah. And if that's true, that's really fucked up. Yeah, I mean, if it is true, which I wouldn't be surprised if there were elements of truth in those sorts of accusations. Yeah, Um, maybe whether or not it's systemic or common thing is a separate issue. But I wouldn't be surprised in an institution as large and with a storied history like the LAPD that those sorts of things like were happening in the two thousands. Yeah, that's not good. But again, does it justify killing? Innocent. Does that justify going and killing the killing
0: daughter of, of someone who represented you in an internal police investigation? Yeah, no, no, because it's yeah, like so that. It really, just yeah. so with all of his all of his his justifications for his behaviour, they would be. I still wouldn't accept him. They would be slightly easier to accept if he just targeted LAPD officers or something like that. So he he targeted the institution which he did that he said he was targeting but the fact that the first two people he killed were one it was the daughter of an attorney who represented him in
1: an internal investigation and her fiance yeah that i mean that just completely obliterates like his his entire claim to like his moral yeah like i'm pretty unsympathetic
0: to begin with but just the fact that those were the first people he killed as well make <laughs> me have Minimal sympathy for
1: no sympathy it's like, okay, if he had just killed LAPD police officers, still not a good thing, um, which I might touch on in a tick, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah he's it's like dude, you, you killed an innocent person who had nothing to do with this, and he also he just, yeah, he, he, just he also threatened shot a young couple in their car who, so their their life Done. I don't know if they're in their twenties or early thirties, like you've just destroyed a family. So she was twenty-eight. The fiance was twenty-seven. Yeah. So, I mean, just just an abhorrent thing to do. And he and he, it wasn't like he was just directing it at LAPD police officers. And I guess this is why I understand, like, why I'm more sympathetic to calling it domestic terrorism because, like, he he in his threats he said. LAPD police officers and their families. He kept on coming back to, I'm going to kill you and your families. Yeah, yeah. He kept saying he'll kill their families. And so this is the thing where it's like you're not – like you are attacking an institution, obviously, the LAPD, but he's not just attacking the LAPD as an institution. He's attacking those people as as just as individuals and their families have nothing to do with it.
0: It is interesting, too, that he – he gives shout outs to LAPD officers whom he considers to be good. The good actors. So it's not even the, the entire apples. LAPD. Although he he so saying that this is somewhat confused is kind of just an, a non-statement given that this is a mass shooter manifesto. But I will say that pretty mixed messages in here. It's hard to pick out a consistent narrative apart from that he feels aggrieved and is trying to justify his actions. But He'll, on the one hand, say that the entire LAPD is rotten to the core and and can't be redeemed, but at the same time, he'll give shout-outs to officers that he says are good people and, and that he likes, and it's hard to say then that w- would he kill those people too for being part of the LAPD, given that he's willing to kill people who are not part of the LAPD who they're just related to people in the LAPD or would he
1: make a special exception to say I'm not going to kill you because yeah. you're one of the good ones which in that case he's just yeah. just there's no he's just completely arbitrary I'm just yeah just going to be judge, mm-hmm. jury and executioner of like who gets to live who gets to die
0: it's also interesting to note that this whole venture is very very self-centered in that he says that the LAPD is ir- irredeemably corrupt and That, to me, therefore, says that his whole shooting spree is about clearing his name. It's about making them acknowledge that they made a mistake in dismissing him. But he's not doing this to try to improve the LAPD or anyone else's life. It is just to make them publicly say, oh, yeah, actually, we fired Chris Dorner for the wrong reasons.
1: Yeah. So I think it's it's not a... uh... It's not a productive thing to do. It's just a purely destructive thing. You know, like, because I guess, so Mm. here's the thing, right? Okay, so I guess I'll talk about this now since might as well. Um, As one of jumping off points. There must be a time in the corruption of a society where, like, citizens need to take action against a corrupt state. Like, I guess in the context Mm -hmm. of, like, civil wars. There's, you know, like, uh, you know, the the Arab Spring is a really good example of like when there were civilian uprisings against their um, authoritarian leaders, and uh, and I mean, obviously, like history is littered with these sorts of events, and so even within the framework of like wanting to have a civil society, most I think you could have a, you can have a, you can have a. A reasonable discussion about at what point where do you draw the line when like the institutions need to not only not only be reformed but need to be like actively resisted okay there's there's Mm. that's a legitimate conversation to have however that's very different to what kristana did because yeah here's one of the key things like in almost every instance where there has been substantial social reform that's lasted and it's been successful. It's been almost, not almost always, like the non-violence path, that needs to be on the book as well. (laughs) You know, like part of the reason why, so so Mm -hmm. the reason why I'm saying this is because what if I just granted Chris Dorn and I said, okay, Chris, like all the things that you're saying about the LAPD are true and they're very corrupt and they're very racist, and maybe they're not necessarily irredeemable, but they're in a very, very bad place, and they, there needs to be substantial reform, mm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, there was a path open to him where he could have become an activist, a nonviolent activist, and for those mm. three or four or five years where he was, after he was discharged, where he could have taken action as, as like a civil protester and like raised awareness about. Um, the corruption in the police force, about race instances of racism. And a good example, he he talks about Rodney King. So for people historically who don't know, Mm. during the 90s, there was the LA riots that were, I think, like largely precipitated by the release of this footage of this man named Rodney King, who's a black man, who was severely beaten. He was pulled over and arrested by police officers and then he was just like pummeled. Like the video is really... It's quite disturbing. Mm-hmm. And that was published by news media. And it just set off, like, these massive riots, this massive, rise, this massive race, race-based riots. Very, very destructive. And you could say, like, sure, okay, like, there's an instance yeah, they where... they
0: killed, like, 60-something people
1: as well. Yeah. And Rodney King then became, like, like a an activist or whatever after that and, you know, a bunch of other people. And in response to a lot of these, like, whether it's a Trayvon thing or whatever, people become activists. But they they often most of the time like the people who make real progress lasting progress and keep on working at it are the ones who go through the non-violent path of like reform legal reform activism awareness raising that sort of stuff and then you get these people who are obviously like just opportunists they just want to cause destruction or like steal stuff they get into involved in the the riots and whatever and they they break into shops and they steal shit from shop owners who had nothing to do with the, you know, and there's all this destructive stuff. And then there's people like Chris Dorner or like say some of the other people that we've read, like, I don't know, maybe Ted Kaczynski. You could even grant Ted. You could say, all right, Ted, like all the things that you're saying are true about society. Society is in this really bad position, but you chose not to like go about any sort of productive way of like trying to reform it. You didn't even try to like, you become an activist or like take legal action, go to law school and then become a lawyer and then go and try and reform the LAPD or take legal action against them or whatever. Like you just sat there, boiled away, brooded away for like four or five years, reinforce your own narrative for yourself. And then like popped off in this just like completely destructive, completely unhelpful. There's not going to be any substantial change with this. All you've done is cause suffering. Um, and yeah, so like, I, I guess, like, how do I put the summary of that thought? I, I could grant all of the things he's saying as like true, and still say like, but the path that you chose to respond to that was the worst of all all paths that you could have taken, and mm. therefore, like, I have essentially no, almost, I have minimal sympathy for <laughs> for this guy. You know. Yeah. Before that, I guess the unibomber is
0: not unique, but it probably a a minority in that. For him, if you take what he if you take his ideology ideology seriously, then it makes a lot of sense why he didn't try to yeah to reform the system from the inside, because he regards technology as this implacable force that will overwhelm society and any sort of agitation within society, within a tech technological society is is just meaningless. It's just not it can't possibly work. Yeah, And then in the case of Dorna, like what he said is true, but I don't think it applies to Dorna in that he's mm, not doing this, or at least he, he states he's not doing this to reform the LAPD. He's doing it so that they say that they fired him for the wrong reasons. Yeah, true, true, true. No, like, that's a good point. All he yeah, it's he completely says, selfish. I'm doing this to clear my name. And <laughs> yeah. he says, I will stop, I'll stop killing police officers and when sometimes he clean. says he's going to leave civilians alone. Sometimes he says he'll kill police officers' families. He's, he's flip-flopping on that issue, although his, his actions tell me that he was fine killing civilians. He'll stop doing that once the LAPD makes a public statement that they fired him for incorrect reasons and that he didn't lie. Like, everything you said is true, but it doesn't apply to Chris Dorner.
1: Point conceded. Levi's Levi's arguing against the wrong manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> You're arguing against someone who's who's, who's a
0: lot more concerned. for social change. Like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. guy, he yeah. this is just like an unfair dismissal from work suit gone wrong. It's him. Like I will commit terrorist acts until you say sorry to me.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I suppose in that in that way, like his his demand or his, what would you say his his complaints about the racism and corruption and so forth of the LAPD are, are, yeah, as you said, like he's not agitating for social change. It's it's almost entirely just selfish, I guess, in that, in that regard then. All right, just dismiss everything I've well, said. It's fuck interesting. fuck
0: it. <laughs> It's interesting separating out what he's actually asking for and what he talks about because he talks a lot about yeah. racism and excessive yeah, force yeah. and things like that, which are real problems in the LAPD and in police forces worldwide. Just when, when you give any group of people sort of the, a social sanction to be violent, you're going to have these problems. But then he talks about all those things almost as a way to get people to agree and go, yep, those are real problems. But it's just, it's separate from what he's actually asking for. Like, what, what would, at least in his telling, if you take him seriously, what would make him stop is something just unrelated to racism in the LAPD.
1: Yeah, and it's just about him. I guess it's not actually about yeah, yeah institutional it's- reform. It's just about, it's almost like, maybe this is a misrepresentation, but would you say it's like, uh, okay, well, so say Chris Donner got his way and like, they're like, oh, actually, you know, we fucked up your case. Sorry, man. Like, you're actually fine. Please stop killing people. Mm-hmm. And he'd just be like, okay, cool. like I'm going to stop now and I don't really care if you reform the (laughs) LAPD or not, like go back to being racist and go back to being corrupt. It's fine. As long as, as long as I'm okay. As long as, as long as my name is cleared, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And it's interesting observing the
0: interplay between his accusations of racism and excessive force in the LAPD. And then what he, what he says he wants to get out of, out of his, his killing spree. Which he he keeps euphemistically referring to as drastic actions, and say, so, "Yeah, mate, it's pretty drastic to declare war on the LAPD." That's, that's, that's those are more than drastic actions.
1: That's another thing about these manifestos. Why don't they? Do they ever just say like, maybe I just can't remember Elliot Roger or Ted Kaczynski's, where they're just like they say it very. Um, they don't. They don't use any euphemisms. to say, I'm going to kill as many people as I can. Elliot Roger, I'm pretty sure straight up said that he was just going to like kill
0: and torture people. What about this actually, when he's listing, when he's listing his high value targets, because this is what I was saying before, the interplay between r- is his complaints of racism in the LAPD. And then what he, he wants out of his drastic actions is interesting because he seems concerned enough about racism in the LAPD to target people who are being racist. Although in like in action, he didn't actually do that. He just killed two police officers. He knew nothing about their beliefs and then two civilians. But he at least states that he would be targeting people who are racist in the LAPD, racist and sexist. And I'll read out some of those things. So I quote, To those black officers in supervisory ranks and pay grades who stay in South Bureau, even though you live in the Valley or OC, for the sole intent of getting retribution towards subordinate Caucasians' officers for the pain and hostile work environment their elders inflicted on you as probationers and novice P2s, you are a high-value target. You perpetuated the cycle of racism in the department as well. You breed a new generation of bigoted Caucasian officer when you belittle them and treat them unfairly. Those Hispanic officers who victimise their own ethnicity because they are new immigrants to this country and are unaware of their civil rights. You call them wetbacks to their face and demean them in front of fellow officers of different ethnicities so that you will receive some sort of acceptance from your colleagues. I'm not impressed. Most likely, your parents or grandparents were immigrants at one time, but you have forgotten that. You are a high-value target. Those lesbian officers in supervising positions who go to work day in, day out, with the sole intent of attempting to prove their misandrist authority, not feminism, to degrade male officers, you are a high-value target. Those Asian officers who stand by and observe everything I previously mentioned other officers participate in on a daily basis, but you say nothing, stand for nothing, and protect nothing. Why? Because of your usual saying, I don't like conflict. You are a high-value target as well. So he, he goes through a few of these things. And the racism upsets him enough that he says he will be explicitly targeting or specifically targeting officers because they are racist, or the the lesbians who are who are being misandrist. But this is—it's still disconnected from what he actually says he wants to get out of his drastic actions. It's—it's it's still separate. It's also interesting too that. Again, it's separate from what he ultimately says he wants, but he, he does say that he, he wants the LAPD to be better and to, to be more in line with the, the institution of a police force that Dorna believes in, and also to live up to America, because he's very patriotic. Again, though, his actions are not aimed at improving any of these things. They're just aimed at his his name. But I I quote, America, you will realise today and tomorrow that this world is made up of all human beings who have the same general needs and wants in life for themselves, their kin, community and state. That is the freedom to, all caps, live and, all caps, love. They may eat different foods, enjoy different music, have different dialects or speak a second language. But in essence, they are no different from you and I. This is America. We are not a perfect sovereign country as we have our own flaws, but we are the closest that will ever exist. He, he repeatedly reinforces that he's very patriotic, and this is not against America. But despite all of the the verbal real estate he dedicates to talking about racism, the problems in America, but the ultimate goodness of America, He's not trying to change any of that. He's just trying to make sure that the LAPD apologizes to him publicly.
1: Okay. So there is one sorry. <laughs> there is one point where he's he says, quote, I'm here to make change. I'm here to change and make policy. The culture of LAPD versus the community and honest slash good officers need to needs to and will change. I'm here to correct and calibrate your moral compasses to true north. End quote. So I think I think like mm. How do, I, how do I express this? Like, is, is special special pleading, is that the way to put it? Um, well, okay, so I have in particular here, like, a note to talk about his delusions of grandeur. Like, he he mm. thinks that, like, one, when he's addressing, say, Clinton and Obama and stuff, it's like he has this idea that for some reason they should give a shit what this person thinks and that these (laughs) important and powerful people, well, uh, maybe they did read it because he ended up becoming a domestic terrorist, but there's this sense of like one moral, sorry, I just smashed my microphone. Um, There's this sense of like, these people should care and read my thing. Um, I'm morally superior to the LAPD and my, actions are corrective to a corrupt culture and my name having been sullied is like a symptom of this, this corrupt, this corrupt institution. Okay. How about, yeah, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) So he does
0: still say that what will stop him from his killing spree is the LAPD publicly apologizing to him. But Mm. maybe if I'm being really generous, in addition to that, this is raising awareness for the problems within the LAPD, which might help people within the LAPD recalibrate morally to true north, And paraphrasing Dorna. Maybe, but maybe. Some, something to that
1: effect. Maybe I'd put it like this. Is that this? what he was doing? Uh, uh, he's a martyr. He's a martyr. Martyr? M- martyr. Martyr. I actually have martyr, yeah. <laughs> Levi can't speak very well today. Um he's a martyr. Um and uh and his yeah, I suppose well, he obviously has a victim complex. He sees his particular instance as like he's angry about his particular instance, but he's also seeing it as like this martyrdom martyrdom will not only clear his name, but he feels like morally vindicated because it will also cause change. Yeah, yeah, it could be that. Could be that. I mean, I guess I, it does seem as though, like, all these people that un, they seem to understand that, like, their actions on some level are futile to ch- make, cause the change that they want, like, hmm. and so it's inherently martyrdom what they're doing. Maybe I'm maybe, sorry, maybe, maybe I'm trying to make too much. Sorry, maybe I'm trying to make too much sense out of out of out of this man's writings. <laughs> I'm assuming there's too much sense to I think be it's made, worth doing. <laughs> It might also be that he just he spent so
0: long stewing on this resentment that that he stopped really distinguishing between the cultural problems at the LAPD as he saw them and his own unfair dismissal those yeah. things might have just completely blurred together for him
1: yeah i actually i think i think that's a good way of putting it
0: briefly on um the bit where he talks about his methods so he says because of his deep understanding of mm. of LAPD protocols, they're never going to be able to find him. They're never going to be able to catch him. He's just going to keep killing them, and the only way they could possibly end this is by saying that they dismissed him unfairly. And it's just some of the claims he makes are pretty extreme. So I quote, The violence of action will be high. I am the reason TAC Alert was established. I will bring unconventional and asymmetrical warfare to those in LAPD uniform, whether on or off duty, ISR is my strength and your weakness. You will now live the life of the prey. Your IDs and homes away from work will be my AO and battle space. I will utilize every tool within INT collections that I learned from N M I T C in Damn Neck. You have misjudged a sleeping giant. There is no conventional threat assessment for me. J A M New Bath Party. 1920 Rev BGE ACM AAF AQAP. AQIM and AQIZ have nothing on me. Do not deploy airships or gunships. SA-7 manpads will be waiting. As you know, I also own Barrett 50 calibers, so your APC are defunct and futile. There, there are a bunch of, um, so he's basically just listing, like, terrorist groups and armies and things like that and saying he's more dangerous than them. SA-7 manpads I had to look up, so it's the NATO name for the Soviet Dvar, shoulder-mounted surface-to-air missile. So he's saying, like, yeah, I'll I'll shoot down your helicopters. I've got a fifty caliber rifle, so I'll I'll destroy your armored personnel carriers. You cannot touch me.
1: I know everything. I'm omnipresent. He's claiming he's gonna go full GTA god mode <laughs> on on label. Yeah, the yeah just using cheats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, this is one of the symptoms coming through in his writing of like, as I said before, delusions of grandeur and these moments of his crazy threats and him saying, like, the weapons he's got and how tactically proficient he is or whatever to be a one-man army standing against the LAPD's um, uh, responses. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it must have been a, he must have been in a very strange headspace because he's simultaneously, like, saying... <laughs> yeah, yeah, strange headspace yeah, to start a shooting sprint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it, to me it just seems like... Uh, even if you were let's say like let's say you're like really highly trained in the military, wouldn't that actually give you some sense of how futile it is to wage a one man attack on so maybe he's just this is all just bluster just to try to like buy buy himself some time or whatever. Um because mm. I would think that if you were highly trained, you'd actually have some sense of just how powerful the um domestic Yeah, how fucked you'd be how fucked you would be. Like there is I mean maybe maybe like 200 years ago a one man person a one man band or like maybe a small group of people could cause like a whole bunch of trouble for the US domestic um military or police or whatever you want to call them um but like these days like this you're just you're just fucked like there is no there's no one man standing against these um these sorts of the technologies and this is the size of the police forces and stuff in the US or so in any developed country like in in Australia, could you imagine trying to do this? Yeah, it's in just Australia, like yeah. you just have Chased UAVs well. on you, just instantaneously, like UAVs, helicopters, militarily armed police, and like fully like covered in Kevlar, and <laughs> like in armored trucks and stuff. Like you're just fucked. It's not. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah. So maybe he's just just talking a lot of bluster just to stir up and he didn't actually believe what he was saying.
0: How about we go to the most fun part of the manifesto, though? The shout-out section. shout-outs, yeah. Which is probably about half, he, like he almost said, half He the said, manifesto. He said, shout-out
1: out out to Sam Marzano, shout-out to Moog, shout-out to Names, shout-out to the <laughs> Discord. Exactly. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> he shout he named Nam Tam or Hira Tam, whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is now. Shout-out to, to what was it, Dank Dank Warrior or something? <laughs> shout out shout out Honor he started the dank enlightenment yeah the dank enlightenment he started shouting out the book club from hell fake gamer boy gamer <laughs> <laughs> boy. yeah turns out whenever we read a manifesto the manifesto author shouts out people in our discord
0: <laughs> yeah exactly he gives a shout out to bubbly yeah he starts out interestingly though the shout out section with talking about gun control this is a pretty good it's quote definitely one of the more i quote. Like shout outs if you had a well-regulated assault weapon ban, this would not happen. The time is now to reinstitute a ban that will save lives. Why does any sportsman need a 30-round magazine for hunting? Why does anyone need a suppressor? Why does anyone need an AR-15 rifle? This is the same small arms weapon system utilised in eradicating Al-Qaeda, Taliban and every enemy combatant since the Vietnam War. Don't give me that crap that it's not a select fire or full auto rifle like the DOD uses. That's bullshit because troops who carry the M4 slash M16 weapon system for combat ops outside the wire rarely utilize the select fire function when in contact with enemy combatants. So, yeah, he uh, on a few occasions talks about how there should be an assault weapon ban in the US. And I guess if you're being extremely generous, you could say that this is a, a particularly form, an extreme form of awareness raising for the the dangers
1: of selling people um, semi-automatic rifles was in the United a, States. Somewhere in there he made this point about, yeah, sorry, can I keep on reading that? Because I highlighted that entire section for myself as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. Like go. there's a, he said, um, uh, these do not even need to be purchased as easily uh, uh yeah, sorry, I think so. Um, these do not need to be, so with regards to like M16s and AR-15s and that sort of stuff, these do not need to be purchased as easily as walking to your local Walmart or striking the enter key on your keyboard to, quote, add to cart. All the firearms utilized in my activities are registered to me and were legally purchased at gun stores and private party transfers. All concealable weapons, pistols, were also legally registered in my name at police stations or FFLs. Unfortunately, are you aware that I obtained class three weapons suppressors with uh, class three weapons in brackets suppressors without a background check through NICS or DROS, completely legally several times? I was able to use a trust account that I created on Quicken, will uh, willmaker, and a ten dollar notary charge at a mailbox, etc to obtain them legally granted i'm not a felon nor have a dv misdemeanor conviction or active tro against me on the ncic file however i can buy any firearms i want but should i be able to purchase these class 3 weapons Without a background check and just $10 and notary signature on a signature on a quick and make it program, the answer is no. I'm not even a resident of the state I purchased them in. Lock and Load just wanted some money to, um, so they allow you to purchase Class Three weapons with just a uh, notarized trust military ID. Um, shame on you. Lock and Load, NFA, and ATF need new laws and policies that do not allow loopholes such as this. In the end, I hope that you'll. I realize that the small arms I utilize should not be accessed with such ease that I attain them. Um, <laughs> who in their right mind needs a fucking silencer? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, really, really interesting. Yeah,
0: that's that's part of the serious shout outs. I also like this one when he talks about um, Michelle Obama. So this is in the context of him addressing Barack Obama and saying that he doesn't agree with everything but he thinks he's done a great job and people who say that Obama is is not American and not patriotic enough so I quote you call his wife a wookie off the record and I should interject he says off the record but this is in his manifesto so this is the record
1: this, anyway, is, this is your last record off the record <laughs> I love your new
0: bangs Mrs Obama a woman whose professional and educational accomplishments are second to none when compared to recent
1: first wives. She's trying to flirt with Obama. <laughs> there's, there's
0: actually a lot of this um, shout-out section where whenever he brings up a woman, he brings up just how hot she is. <laughs> Fuck, man.
1: That's um, so weird. Yeah, this
0: section is very strange. He also wants his brain preserved for medical research because... He played, I, I don't know how American football's played, but he played some position where apparently you get a bunch of head injuries and he wants his brain preserved for medical research so they can do
1: research into traumatic brain injury. Linebacker. They're the ones that smash their heads into one another. In, in I think he's playing offensive oh, okay. linebacker. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the longevity position. Yeah, the longevity position. Which, just so people know, like, who aren't American, like, the offensive linebackers, like, they're big dudes. <laughs> They're really big dudes. Um, so Chris Dornan must have been a fucking built son of a bitch. <laughs> like even if he, you know. A unit. Yeah, he must have been a unit. Even if he was just playing college or something to to be an offensive linebacker. It's crazy. <laughs> big, big unit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um- Oh, actually, then there's the the really sad section or well, the most affecting Wait, part of this no, where he starts giving shout-outs
1: to his friends. Just before we go into the shout-outs to the friends because oh, yeah. I think that's yeah, a yeah. good place to do But I just... I, the thing that I want to take the most issue with with this fucking manifesto is the following shout-out. Mm, and mm. this is where I really have to fucking just disagree with him just so strongly. He says, I quote, Dave Brubeck's Take Five is the greatest piece of music ever, period. End quote. <laughs> it's like... Bullshit. Good song. Good song. Catchy. <laughs> catchy, catchy song. Best piece of music of all time. Really, like this is your manifesto before you go on a killing spree. And you wanna say that take five is the greatest piece of music of all time. Give me a fucking break, mate. This is how I know he was mentally unwell. No, <laughs> oh, but the, the shout outs to his friends were really, really just
0: yeah. really sad. Yeah. Yeah, what I a, a, a quote. So, all the names of people in this have been redacted. So, redacted, greatest friend, naval officer, aviator, great father, husband, doctor, and even better human being. I always strive to live my life parallel to your similar values and personal disciplines. Redacted is lucky to have found a man like yourself, and you are fortunate to have married an irrefutable, imperfect woman. Always, <laughs> I, I don't think you knew what those words meant. <laughs> <laughs> always focus on your immediate family as they are the ones who have loved you unconditionally and always been there to support you in difficult times. I always loved my wife as WW Redacted D. What would Redacted do? Presumably his wife. Yeah. Redacted, t- take care of this guy. I'm sorry I missed your wedding and you had to find another best man. I'm sorry my predicament with the department stopped me from watching you and Redacted get married. And arguing with you about issues that were insignificant when I was really angry at the LAPD for what they did to me. I'm deeply sorry and I love you guys. So there, there are a lot of really sad things like this where he apologizes to people for not being able to attend their weddings mm. or see their kids grow up or to see, I think, the, the, the Hangover Three with them. Yeah. This is, this is the part where I, it just really hit me. It's like, oh, yeah, this was a, this was a human being. Just a
1: dude. His, yeah. his, uh, so I looked up. he um, was born in 79, which means he was about 34 when this happened. So presumably if... They're so not if the issues, too much older than us. Yeah, if the issue started five years earlier in 2008, say 2007, or something like that, then that's only five years. So it's kind of like his late 20s to early 30s. He's witnessing, like reading between Mm. the lines with his shout-outs and stuff to his friends. He's having substantial relationship breakdowns and I think, again, reading between the lines, becoming increasingly isolated. As a sort of a young man Mm -hmm. still, like I still think you can call yourself a you're you're a man by the time you're thirty, but like you're at the upper edge of being like you're still pretty early in your life right and um and 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 it's it's tough if you if you're like out of high school or out of uni and you start losing contact with friends but then it, it can be hard to like keep relationships alive but then if you're also you've just lost your job and I assume it's like speaking to my people that I've met who are in the police. Forces In Australia, like, obviously, you're spending your time at work. You spend a lot of time with people at work anyways, but with the police forces as well, because, mm-hmm. like, they're in very stressful situations um, and uh, they do a lot of training together and all this sort of stuff. There's, like, a quite a, like, can be quite an insular culture. Right, and there can be a sense of like mm-hmm. also quite alienating, like interacting with other people who aren't a part of the police. And there's this whole thing about like police families and that sort of stuff, like can be quite isolating. Um, and then there's all the stuff around like secrecy and not being able to disclose stuff. At work. So there's a whole bunch of things that make like being a police officer in particular, like compared to other professions, like potentially even more isolating. So like if you then mm-hmm. are released from that job and you you're, you, have a relationship breakdown with that institution, I can only assume that he was also isolated from any friendships that he made in, in the police force and in his training. So he must have just been, again, reading between the lines. I might be wrong, but it seems as like though he's just, like, incredibly isolated, essentially.
0: Yeah, because he also – he had been married, but his wife filed for divorce. I'm not sure when that happened, but he was – Probably very lonely.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's weird, isn't it? Like because huh, I don't know, like yeah, when he, when he starts like talking to his friends, like the stuff where he shouts out Charlie Sheen, like it's a bit weird, it's a bit surreal and stuff. But yeah, the the part where he's talking it to his could friends could also be is a funny. very
0: lonely person.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah,
0: like giving shout outs to all of these pop culture figures might also be a very lonely person talking about the meaningful human relationships in his life. Yeah. That is to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. One uh, Unidirectional relationships with people who just don't know that he exists.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the reason. There's this word that I like. It's called, it's, the word is hyperreality. Um, somebody used to describe the, mm. the way in which we live these days, especially in people in countries like Australia or America, I assume, versus like people in maybe is like. That- baudrillard
0: who came up with that
1: maybe i mean oh man like i really i started reading the society of the spectacle is that baudrillard i think so um i'm liking it so far uh, It's Gideon, oh, but that's Gideon. really good yeah um no no it's a different book um and uh but just the idea of hyperreality is being like when you say um say like you like a celebrity and you Mm -hmm. see their instagram posts these days instagram or watch them on tv or whatever you're not you don't see them as a person like you see a very curated thing that they want you to see or that their brand wants you to see you see their their work essentially you're seeing like hyper reality Mm -hmm. it's not it's 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 not it's not real, it's hyper real it's it's more than real it's this it's like curated, it's all the focus part, even like say listening to this podcast, our listeners, you know, like they don't see us just being normal people, they only see us like in the context of us having this sort of conversation, they don't see us having brushing mm. our teeth and they don't being grumpy at night before we go to bed and stuff i guarantee i'm this interesting all the time (laughs) yeah so it creates this kind of and to to a degree like if you're just consuming somebody's content is you know it's like obviously that's why you're consuming our content you don't want to see me brushing my teeth i assume (laughs) (laughs) um um, uh, but but if if your only relationships are these so to speak hyper real relationships or if the majority of your relationships are these hyper real relationships where you're interacting not with people, but with like caricatures, that, that would mm. just create mm. a very distorted sense of like what it means to be like genuinely connected to another person. Yeah. And you wouldn't actually be able to, you know, because a part of having like an actual interactive friendship with like, say so somebody like Jack, <laughs> is that like you're error correct. You know, Um you know like even in this conversation there's been where we've disagreed we've tried to like sort out like where we have like a slight difference in where we see things or like we'll have a disagreement or Mm. like you'll express concern about like my use of excessive amounts of lsd or something like that (laughs) (laughs) whereas like if you only have relationships with like um uh what would you call it like asymmetrical relationships with hyper real caricatures of people? There's no actual error correction yeah, there. it's, it's all consumption it's all unidirectional, and there's no actual error correction built into that unless obviously you go and read people that you disagree with um but by the sounds of it, this guy was just like increasingly isolated. he's having these hyper real unidirectional relationships with just caricatures and and characters from movies and that sort of stuff um yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, you end up in like a weird headspace. If I, if I try to like empathize and like put myself in, in that headspace, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's also, it's, it's hard picking out
0: a common, any sort of unifying theme in all the shout-outs he gives. Cause he also, he gives a shout out, for example, mm. to a doctor who performs surgery on his knee. He gives a negative shout out to the president of the NRA.
1: Yeah, he really Calls him a lie. violent,
0: inhumane piece of There's shit. There's a few negative shout outs. He negs, negs quite a few people. Uh, I, this is a good quote. I thank the unnamed women I dated over my lifetime for the great and sometimes not so great sex. It's pretty funny that basically all the shout outs he gives to women involve them looking good or him having sex with them.
1: Yeah, yeah. He definitely had a strange relationship with women. I'm glad it.
0: Oh, what about this one? Hillary Clinton. You'll make one hell of a president in 2016. (laughs) Much like your husband, Bill, you will be one of the greatest. Look at Castro in San Antonio as a running mate or possible secretary of state. He's, in brackets, good people, and I have faith and confidence in him. Look after Bill. He was always my favorite president. Chelsea grew up to be one hell of an attractive woman. No disrespect to her husband. (laughs) It's just... So it's a whirlwind of emotions that quite (laughs) him him telling Hillary Clinton that she'll be a great president, that her daughter's really hot and then just giving unsolicited advice about like, oh, yeah, you know, you know me, the guy who's a mass murderer who's waging war on LAPD.
1: Well, I've got some. I've got some picks for the Secretary of State. <laughs> Better listen to me. And there was there was several moments where he gave it. That wasn't the only instance. Hey, he gave advice to some other people. It's <laughs> <gives> a lot <laughs> he gives of it'll... advice to
0: politicians on who who they should run with and how they should do their campaigns. And it's like, mate, you you might want to bear in mind
1: that people will only know you because you are shooting members of the LAPD. See, his problem was becoming a mass murderer before coming a politician. He should have actually become a politician and yeah, then become yeah, a mass yeah. murderer. <laughs> Cause I think like yeah, Hillary okay, Clinton a, has more blood on her hands. <laughs> and probably has more blood on her hands for American deaths than than this guy does. <laughs> but she's not known as a mass murderer. She's known as, you know, successful secretary of state or whatever. The fuck. She did it through legal she avenues. She did it through though. legal and institutional avenues <laughs> rather than being just completely cooked <laughs> and just going going crazy and Locking yourself in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, it seems as though if you really want to be effective at killing as many people as you can, you want to get a nice suit and speak really well and get a job at DC, in DC, or at like Halliburton or something. If you really want to get Mm, a lot of blood mm, on your hands, don't write a manifesto. Keep that shit to yourself. Go and become a politician. You write a campaign manifesto. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. (laughs) Or like create an ideology like Marxism. Or start a revolution. Mm. These, these, in fact, you know, in, under that framing, like Dorna and Kaczynski and all these guys, these guys are actually like, I think, in proportion to the amount of bloodshed that they actually cause, they get way too much airtime. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. it's disproportionate. <laughs> like, how many more tens of thousands of young men have died because of the actions of somebody like Putin compared to compared to Dorna? Just orders of magnitude more. <laughs> yeah, well, but particularly Putin at the moment though, is given a lot of airtime. Yeah, which is
0: probably a good thing. <laughs> either either, like if I mean if it's part of the culture war, which has the incredible ability of making everybody who participates in it stupid, you either have people who think that Putin is basically Putin. Hitler too, Hitler being secular Satan, and therefore we should stop at nothing to to, to depose him. Or you've got people who've just decided that because a lot of Democrats oppose Putin, that Putin is actually really, really mega-based in a defender of Christianity and <laughs> a best
1: friend. Super mega Defender based. of that nice Russian orthodoxy. Russian orthodox Catholicism, yeah. which is particularly nice because they've got those... It's not, not Catholicism. Yeah, and it's also very spicy um, in, incense. So they get around their incense. It's great. Candles mm, and mm. shit. Good architecture.
0: Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what about um this quote? It's kind of sad I won't be around to view and enjoy The Hangover 3. What an awesome trilogy. Todd Phillips, don't make any more hangovers after the third, takes away the originality of its foundation. World War Z looks good, and The Walking Dead Season 3, second half, looked intriguing. Damn, going to miss Shark Week. It's also, sounds obvious to say, but it's important to bear in mind the fact that a, a man who knew that he was going to go and start shooting police officers was writing this. And yeah. in the process of writing down what for most people who hear about him, and particularly for someone who's so acutely aware of his name and how people view him, he he was aware that people, many people would only know him through this document. Nonetheless, he still put in just things about how he's going to miss shark week and telling Todd Phillips not to make more hangover movies and things like that. That he, this to him must have been salient in some way. This must have been really important to him. Important enough that he was going to communicate this to people. Um, per, perhaps as and in all likelihood as the only piece of information these people have about him. It's, it's bearing that in mind when you're reading the shout out section makes it even more
1: surreal. Yeah, this the question of uh salience. When you were reading somebody's manifestos, what things did they think were important enough to include in their manifesto? For Dorna, it was Don't make more than three hangovers, please. <laughs> what about <laughs> Very strange. What about we he, he gives a
0: shout out to Piers Morgan for championing, championing stricter gun control laws and then reminds him that he has an English accent. <laughs> I quote, Mr. Morgan, the problem that many American gun owners have with you and your continuous discussion of gun control is that you are not an American citizen and have an accent that is distinct and clarifies that you are a foreigner. I want you to know that I agree with you 100% on enacting stricter firearm laws, but you must understand that your critics will always have in the back of their mind that you are native to a country that we won our sovereignty from while using firearms as a last resort in defense, and you come from a country that has no legal private ownership of firearms. This is disheartening to American gun owners, and rightly so.
1: Mm -hmm. In other words, let me pass that for everybody. We don't like y'all kind around here, Pierce. Yeah, stop speaking funny. Stop speaking funny. Speak with a nice, clear Australian accent. Speak English. Speak English, Piers Morgan. (laughs) He also gives George
0: H.W. Bush a shout-out for being a good president. Gives General David Petraeus a shout-out, I quote. General Petraeus, you made a mistake that the majority of men make once, twice, or unfortunately many times in a lifetime. You are human. You thought with your penis. It's Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm assuming Petraeus had a, an extramarital sure. affair or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm also sure that once he heard that Eric Dorner, why did do I keep calling him Eric? Christopher Dorner said that it was okay. He was relieved and a, a weight fell from his shoulders and he thought, oh, you know what? <laughs> the, the, the mass shooter from LA said it was cool that I, I thought with my penis. So I, uh, it's all good. His wife probably just accepted him back with open arms. She was like, Hey, I read the Chris Dorner manifesto and he gave you a shout out. So I reckon we should try things again. Gives Ellen DeGeneres a shout <laughs> out. <laughs> he says, Ellen DeGeneres continue your excellent contribution to entertaining America and bringing the human factor to entertainment. You changed the perception of your gay community and how we as Americans view the LGBT community. I congratulate you on your success and opening my eyes as a young adult and my generation to the fact that you are no different from... Sorry, I keep stumbling over this because there are so many spelling errors. You are no different, spelt K-N-O-W, from us other than who you choose to love. Oh, and you Prop 8 supporters, why the fuck do you care about who your neighbour marries? Hypocritical pieces of shit. (laughs) What about this one? This one. Jennifer Beals, Serena Williams... Gray Drake, Lisa Nicole Carson, Diana Turasi, and Boucher Wright, Brenda Villa, Kate Winslet, Ashley Graham, Erica Christensen, Gabrielle Union, Isabella Soprano, Zane Vergie, Tamron Hall, Gina Carano, Americana, America Ferrara, Gianna Michaels, Neen, Natal- Natalie Portman, Queen Latifah, Michelle Rodriguez, Angela Johnson, Kelly Clarkson, Nora Jones, Laura Prepon. Margaret Cho and Routina Wesley, you are the most beautiful women on this planet, period. Never settled, professionally or personally. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck was he thinking? These women would read his manifesto, see their names, and then go, you know what, I'm not settling anymore.
1: <laughs> I, mean, I feel affirmed, Chris Dorner
0: has mm-hmm. given me the confidence I needed. This is what I needed to hear. Yo- I'm gonna live my there life go, for like me all now. the celebrity
1: women are going around, like, "Yo, girl, did you get a shout out from Christopher Donna?" Oh no, I didn't get a shout out from Christopher Mass murdering <laughs> anonymous guy in California living in the woods. <laughs> uh, this made my career. This made my career. Yeah. In fact, if anything, like they probably they probably were like, "God damn it, I got a fucking shout out from Christopher Donna." <laughs> like, the, like that week, like all the celebrities <laughs> who found out they got a shout out, they were like, "God." God damn it. Larry
0: David, I agree. 72 to 82 degrees is way too hot in a residence. 68 degrees is perfect. (laughs) I don't don't get it. (laughs) Fucking thanks, mate. (laughs) <laughs> the, the next one, the cyclist. cyclist. <laughs> I have no problem sharing the road with you, but at least go the fucking speed limit posted or get off the road. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. That is a feasible request. Livestrong, you fraudulent arsehole. <laughs> <upple. laughs> Negative shout out to Livestrong. Ambivalent shout out to cyclists. Could go either it's way.
1: Say like, I'm happy to share the road with for the next four days that I'm alive.
0: <laughs> oh man! But it's like, oh, but go the go the speed limit. This is a feasible request. It's like, oh, it might not be. It's like if you're in a 60k
1: zone, you're <laughs> It
0: might not be a feasible request for bike bike for cyclists to be fucking booking at 60k's an hour all what the time. The,
1: what is the limit? In a lot of the US roads, they're like 55 miles or 60 miles or something. That's like 100 plus kilometers an hour, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like 100 k's an hour. <laughs> this is a good, good, cyclists feet. are just <laughs> slamming it at 100 k's up a hill. <laughs>
0: Go to the speed limit, you that, asshole! <laughs> that's it. That's it. In Australia, like, like, no cyclist is going to be on the road in a 100 k zone. Unless you're on the Great Ocean Road. <laughs> you get. Crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah like, but it's not 100 sim, sim, sim. on the Great Ocean Road unless you want to go into the sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you're driving a submarine or a soon to be submarine. Uh, so, uh, what about. Um, he gives Anonymous a shout out. Yeah, Anonymous. So, <laughs> Anonymous, so indirectly, he gives 4chan a shout out. Anonymous, <laughs> you are hated, vilified, and considered an enemy to the state. I personally view you as a culture and a, necessary, a necessity that brings truth to a cloaked world.
1: Forge ahead. It gives me a seal and of approval. it follows the it up with Charlie, Charlie Sheen, Sheen you're, "You're effing awesome." awesome. <laughs> Anonymous. Charlie which, Sheen gives a shout
0: out to the LGBT community, to Chick Fil A, and to America. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good part. LGBT community and supporters. The same way you have the right to voice your opinion on acceptance of gay marriage. Chick-fil-A has a right to voice their belief as well. That's what makes America so great, freedom of expression. Don't be assholes and boycott slash degrade their business and customers who patronise the locations. They make some damn good chicken. (laughs) Some damn good chicken. (laughs) Their locations does not help any cause. With this, I don't actually disagree. It's just so funny that – because this is right at the end of the manifesto too. He's like, actually – What the world needs is a master to give a shout out to the LGBT community, to Chick-fil-A and to American, to, to freedom of speech.
1: They make some damn good chicken. I wish that he had just damn ended, good ended it there. Unfortunately, he gives a shout-out to Bill Cosby, but if, if he had just oh, no, ended, he it there, ended on a much more concerned. He a right? damn good chicken. He gives a shout-out to Bill Cosby, and he ends, he ends the manifesto on his <laughs> shout-out to Bill this Cosby. Is, I love this bit. He says, Mr. Bill Cosby. He says, Mr. That's how you know he respects Bill Cosby. He says, Mr. Mr. Bill Cosby. Respectable. You are a reasonable and talented man. <laughs> this is, bear, bear in mind, this is before <laughs> Bill Cosby was convicted for raping a bunch of people. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> <laughs> I guess
0: this wouldn't have been quite as, as bizarre a way to end it when he wrote it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in light of uh, Mr. Cosby's indiscretions, this is a really fucking weird way to finish. <laughs> the The manifesto that is the... The
1: full stop at the end of your life, like this, this is how he ends this it ends. is the last thing he said. Okay. To the public. All right, I'll finish it off. Um, you are a reasonable and talented man who has spoken the truth to the cultural anomalies within the black communities that need to change now. The black community's resentment towards you is because they don't like hearing the truth or having their clear and evident dirty laundry aired to the nation. The problem is the country is not blind nor dumb. They believe we are animals. Do not mute your unvarnished, truthful speech or moral compass. Blacks must strive for more in, the, in life than bling hoes and cars. The current culture is an epidemic that leaves them with no uh, discernible future. They're suffocating and don't even know it. MLK Jr. would be mortified at what he worked so hard for in our acceptance as equal beings and how, unfortunately, we stopped progressing and became, digress, became began digressing. I assume he means... Regressing, probably. Um, Chicago's youth violence yeah, is a yeah, prime example. It can example. be a bit hard to work out sometimes, <laughs> quite what he's saying. Chicago's youth violence is a prime example of how black communities' values have declined. We cannot address this nation's intolerant issues until we address our own community's morality issues first. Accountability. We need to hold. My one ends there, I think. we need to.
0: I, I had a look. So it, it ends as we need to hold out. That's the end. Oh, we need to hold out.
1: Yeah. Um slim missing the text. Yeah, I think that the accountability I said, we you just need to ends, hold out.
0: And it's the end of the manifesto. Again, it, I don't think Bill Cosby's um bedroom practices were were public knowledge at this stage. So No. It it's much more bizarre in 2023 than it, it was when this, this was first published yeah. in 2013. It's just
1: weird to me the lack of that last. That last Paragraph. The lack, lack of, of self-aware. insight or self-awareness. Yeah, it's just like, hey, we're this black community is really bad, some bad moral stuff going on here. We've really lost our way now. Mm. I'm just gonna go and kill some people. You <laughs> like, need to hear this lesson from a mass shooter. Like I'm gonna go and <laughs> I'm gonna go and kill some innocent people who had nothing to do with my my grievance because they happen to be the, mm. r- related mm. to somebody I have a grievance with. So yeah, I, like, hey, all you other African-American people... Gee, that's going to help public perceptions to me. of the black community. Yeah, like, listen to me. I'm really, like, upstanding. And also, listen to Bill. <laughs> listen to Mr. Bill Cosby. He's also a great, reasonable <laughs> and talented person, a moral compass for our community. Yeah, no, this... I mean, yeah, the shout-out section was really weird. I don't know what to say about it. It's just, it's just weird to think that, yeah. like, he was, was... Do you reckon he was maybe drunk or something while he was writing this? Like... Potentially, uh, it's hard to say. It's it's very scrambled because it just seems like very scrambled. It, it just, especially the shoutouts. He's just, it's just like, um, it's just off the top of the head. It's just this thing, it's just the, whatever thing, comes just, into his head, and then and then, like, all right, I've written all these things now. I'm just going to post it, and tomorrow I'm going to yeah, wake it seemed up, like, and complimenting run Michelle
0: people. Obama's haircut. Him talking about how good Chick Fil A's chicken is, how much he likes Charlie Sheen. The, the ethical problems within the
1: black community, it's just, it's just all over the place. Yeah, this is why I think if you are going to write a manifesto, like write it in your, notes, your notes first, maybe send it to a friend to get them to proofread it um, before posting it on Facebook. To a friend about, about your planned mass shooting. In fact... I strongly advise any mass shooters to like send your manifesto to a police officer first before, get them to read proofread it and double check. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's definitely double the shoot, best yeah. thing you can that's do. A good. And then also maybe a psychologist as well before you, send, before you take any action. Like, you know, just see mm. what they think about your manifesto <laughs> before you do anything. Yeah, yeah. Get their literary advice. Get their literary advice. Get them to just do a one over, You know, check for any you know, grammar or spelling mistakes. That sort of thing. Do you think that was a that was a good read? I mean, good quote. It's a very, very ambiguous sense of what I mean. I would good. say for people. It was an interesting read.
0: I, I, I don't know how much I'd recommend it in terms of new, new ideas. The last, the shout out section of this, so roughly the last half or maybe a bit less than the last half, is fascinating in a really bizarre way in that this is a man's. It's really the. The last thing a man is saying to the world before he sets out on a path that he's he's pretty sure will lead to the end of and his if life. not The and world, bearing to that his in friends. mind, while he's he's giving a shout out to Michelle Obama's haircut, makes the last section pretty strange to read. Would I like? Would I recommend it? If it's if, if the quotes we read sound funny to you, then you'd
1: probably enjoy it. And the shout out section's short, and it's free. The whole thing's short, like yeah. in the time you spent listening to us, you could have read it. <laughs> it's, it's only like eight. Pages. Yeah, you could have read it, um, but we're way more interesting to listen to, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. don't know. It's just it's just weird. I guess how many of these manifestos have we read now? At least a couple, All right? Like four, something like that. Una, Unabomber, uh, Valerie, Slawless, the Scum Manifesto. Yeah. My
0: Twisted World. That's three. Yeah. So this is the, the, the fourth one. I What's
1: think. Uh, is um, is Varga Manifesto of like I guess, kind of more like a autobiography. Well, that, I so. guess. I guess oh, so. I mean, it was written after the fact. After the fact, it was yeah. written,
0: I think he wrote it in prison. Yeah,
1: and it was more like explaining after killing Euronymous. After. I guess yeah, but counted as half. Yeah, we've read four and a half. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I feel very strange when I read these texts. They're just, I don't know, like... Mm. I, ca- I can't really, like, put my... How do I put this? Putting, it, like, maybe it's not a good exercise to try to empathize with these people, like, to try to put yourself, like, what... <laughs> like, but if I if I try to have some, like, empathy, or like, think through, like, what their situation was like and the, their beliefs and that sort of stuff, it just... Uh, I just feel like, um, I feel really bad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just I would, like pretty feel pretty
0: bad after these. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it yeah. So this was much easier to read than Vagsmile Smile or My Twisted World. Oh, yeah. So that's um, good on you, Chris Dorner, for that one. That's, that's a positive. Very faint praise to be less distressing to read than <laughs> Elliot Rogers' manifesto. But yeah. There's that whole lot less interesting than the Unabomber manifesto a whole lot less funny than the scum manifesto scum scum manifesto is by a long shot, the best written of all of these.
1: Yeah. Groovy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Groovy and conceited. This is probably the most surreal in terms of like the shout out section is really what makes this manifesto. The first half is eh, dull. Like if you're really interested in Chris Dorners. Um, motivations for, for carrying out his brief war in the LAPD. It might be a bit interesting. But his Wikipedia page would probably tell you what actually happened with more detail. It's less rambly. The shout-outs the shout is what makes this, and those are pretty surreal. So there, there's, no, there's nothing in My Twisted World or Vag Smile or the Uniboma Manifesto or the, the Scum Manifesto like the shout-out section in this. For the shout outs, I'd say, mm. maybe give it a read. It's kind of very, very morbidly fascinating. the people he chooses to give a shout out to.
1: I, I guess this is why I find it interesting one I firstly I agree with Jack. I think. If you're interested, like obviously, not everybody is interested in these sorts of reads, Like, if you're the sort of person who has read or is curious reading something like market, yeah, uh, reading something like the manifesto of, of the um, Columbine shooters or something. If you're in that sort of weird headspace of people who likes reading those sorts of things, uh, then yeah, like add this to the the collection. Um, if nothing else, then yeah, like as Jack said, the shout-out section is really weird to read. I think maybe the way that I would put it is like with, with hindsight, when you read these people's manifestos, having knowledge about what they did, you get some insight into like there was a process, like normally years in the making leading up to them doing what they did. Mm-hmm. And you, this bit of their writing is them trying to distill their experience and the suffering. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And maybe some of the like ideological or explanatory things like how they understood the world. And from that, I think in a weird way, it's actually been a strangely enriching experience. Like at least reading a few of these manifestos (laughs) because it gets you to the point of saying like, actually like there's some dark places people can go like really dark places. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're getting, you know, obviously it would be better if these things didn't happen, but given that they did happen, at least sometimes having like the ability to get some insight into like, well, what does it take to get somebody into a position where they're willing and able to do the things that these people did? It's kind of like it's like um, how would I put it? It's like a dark enrichment. It's like it's like you get to see the sh- it's like the deep shadow side of of the human experience.
0: Um, this is yeah this is what Jung meant by integrating the shadow yeah it's just going yeah. out and reading my twisted world
1: yeah in a weird way yeah like I mean yeah I don't know I don't know and also like I also do think that like in in a lot of ways like I mean how different are some of the like these people like all experience like suffering and loneliness and like all this sort of stuff and you know had families and stuff but all those things broke down you know and they went off into the, mm. I think often, you know, as you know, if, okay, here's one thing. So I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm digging as far, I'm digging myself into a hole here. I've got to try to get myself out of this hole. Yeah, yeah, dig, dig. So dig. I'm going to, here's my way to get out. I think like what these sorts of texts reveal is not only like how dark people's thinking can get, but like what the consequences of like brooding can be. If you just stew on mm on like these these sorts of dark ideas for long enough and you're isolated, like this is where it gets you or this is where it can get you. And so like from mm. a purely practical point of view, not that like, You can be featured on the book club from hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can be featured on our show. Like luckily, like, I mean, uh, I hope to God, like obviously everybody's got like friends and family and loved ones that like, but you know, like you're really- Uh, unless it's in a very controlled situation and it's intentional, like you say, like you go on a meditation retreat and you're like intentionally isolating for like some explicitly like constructive purpose. But when it comes to like mental health, Intense, long periods of isolation can lead people into like these extremely dark areas. And in a lot of situations, it leads to uh, mm. suicide. Mm. But in some situations, it leads not just suicide, but like self-destruction, but it leads to destruction of other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I have to say about I'm trying to get something constructive out of it. <laughs> trying yeah, my best. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've said all I can really say about this this
0: particular manifesto.
1: I, I and I'm despite and next all week of these, be more yeah. Um, despite sorry, one last thing, despite all of the criticisms I have, I still come away from a feeling of like weirdly sorry for the guy. Like, I don't know, still, like, yeah, still did a bad thing and all that sort of stuff. But maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should harden the fuck up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's possible to feel bad for the guy and also think that he did. Like he he did the wrong thing. He was in a bad place and just went about fixing it in the worst way possible, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. He's a court, a cautionary tale. yeah, if if you're feeling hard done by and isolated, don't declare war on the police force or start shooting
1: strangers. Yeah, yeah, for, for
0: all. that's the moral of this manifesto,
1: yeah, to the degree that that can be generalized to as many people as possible. <laughs> Just don't, 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 don't don't do that. Don't do it. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Next week,
0: more Spengler. I've, I've read enough Spengler now that it's, it makes sense. I've broken through.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think the first few chapters of Spengler, like if you can just get over that hump, it starts to make sense within its own kind of like hermetically sealed yeah system of ideas (laughs) um anyways let's leave that to next week hey (laughs) thanks for listening yeah yeah. everyone shout out to thanks for listening um yeah see ya